0: John Henke is here to shine some light on dark money in this crummy little podcast. John Henke is a researcher, a right-leading blogger, and a pro bono advisor to tech freedom. And today, we're going to chat about a series of posts he has at Red State about the chummy relationships between charitable foundations and government. John, thank you for joining this crummy little podcast.
1: Hey, thanks for having me on. I love the name of your podcast.
0: <laughs> well, we believe in truth and advertising, transparency, and all that good stuff. But it seems like some folks do not believe in transparency as much as we do, Uh, and you've been writing in this series of posts, it's a three-part series right now, about some of the, the money flowing between government entities and ostensibly charitable foundations, and then flowing from charitable foundations into research that... Supports government policies. I guess the first question is, before we start unwrapping all this, what got you into writing about this?
1: So uh, for for many years, I've done research and uh, dating back even to my days as a blogger, I just find it fascinating to do research. And the more I'd look into issues, the more I'd realize it's not this grassroots uh, activists thing that's driving the news. There's something behind it. And the farther I look into it, the more I realize it's the same small set of groups, primarily Foundations that drive almost everything. A few foundations fund almost every major policy issue, activism, and uh, not just activism, but also technology developments and media and a great deal else. Uh, and so the more I realize that, the more I realize everything is really fundamentally about the foundations. These foundations are the power behind the throne, power behind the curtain in almost everything uh, political these days. And a lot of this was in part prompted by reading a speech given by Sean Treglia who was uh, a project director at the Pew Trusts, Pew Charitable Trusts back in 2004-2005 at the Annenberg Center. He gave a, a an amazingly candid speech and it was reported on later that year the next year by Sean uh, or by uh, Ryan Sager uh, in the New York Post. What he said essentially was The whole campaign finance reform movement that led to McCain-Feingold was all manufactured. It was all a few left-of-center foundations that got together, put a lot of money. Ultimately, I think it was 123 out of 140 million total spent was put in by eight foundations put in a lot of money to create the appearance of a national movement, to create the appearance that there was a great deal of interest in this issue, to, uh, to generate media, to generate research, and to generate uh, activism and to build a coalition. All of this stuff was manufactured by the foundations that were quietly hiding in the back. And he said nobody ever wrote about it because nobody knew about it. Nobody understood the role that foundations played in political activism and the political landscape. And since they didn't know about it, they didn't care. They didn't write about it. Every once in a while, somebody would start to dig into it, but they didn't go anywhere. And he said, from our perspective, that was great. The less people thought about this being a Pew project, the more likely it was to pass. And so they hired uh, academics. They bought research. They paid for media. They put together uh, coalitions that they, they paid for. And they created this impression that campaign finance reform was a critical priority ultimately resulting in McCain-Feingold, which I would argue has only led to more money in politics because it's made it more expensive to do the same thing. It's made it less transparent. It's, it's ultimately uh, been counterproductive at best. Um, and so that led to a realization that, that is not just the case with campaign finance reform. It is the case with almost every issue. The foundations have moved from what was for many decades sort of a reactive model where they took. Uh, proposals, and they funded things based on the idea that, you know, we can help some people here or there. They moved into more of what was called a directive funding model, uh, where they funded things because they had objectives to achieve. Their objectives were very political, very policy oriented. And so they would put together campaigns, and they would look for uh, activists, intellectual leaders, uh, activist groups, all the elements of a campaign. They would look for people or groups who could accomplish them, and they would fund them as if, the foundations themselves were campaign managers. And so all of these things begin to happen that are very, very political and would in most other regards be considered political spending, but they're foundations and so they mostly stick to 501c3, some c4, they launder money through other foundations uh, and they, they get away with it and nobody pays any attention. So I'm looking here at a list of the top 100 foundations. Actually, I'm looking at a partial list of that. The top foundation by giving, as of 2013, the latest data I've seen, is by a large margin, the Gates Foundation, $3 billion. Now, they are outsized um, to everybody else because of the nature of the things they're doing, and and the Gates Foundation tends to be less overtly political. The second um, largest non-healthcare foundation, the healthcare foundations are very large because they're giving away a lot of health uh, health care goods. But uh, the largest, more political foundation is the Ford Foundation at five hundred and sixty million dollars a year, every year. And the Hewlett Foundation, four hundred thirty four million dollars. Uh, Open Society, three hundred and eighty million and so forth and so on, and there are a dozen or more explicitly left-wing foundations that are all spending $100 million or far, far more. Compared to that, the Koch Foundation or the Koch Institute, not in the top 100, not even close, and yet they get almost all the attention. And so that's sort of what prompted my interest in understanding more about how this left machine actually works.
0: Yeah, it seems you can't turn on C-SPAN for, well, if you're one of those people who even turn C-SPAN on, but you can't turn on C-SPAN for any length of time and watch a politician talk without talking about oh, money and politics, buying elections. This is doing more than just buying elections. I mean, that's kind of a misnomer anyway, but you know, we're not just talking about buying elections. You're talking about buying actual policies. You're talking about the stuff that becomes law.
1: Right. So the... I agree with you. Buying elections is is very much a misnomer. Um, unfortunately, the vast majority of money goes into elections, goes into TV ads, and those are demonstrably not that effective. To the extent they have an effect, it's very very marginal. Um, and, and there's there's to some extent an, an arms race on that. The thing that the left has figured out and done much more uh, effectively is that they invest an enormous amount of money in research and organizing. Uh, And and all the other elements, they also invest an enormous amount of money, tens, hundreds of millions of dollars in media. I mean, a lot of things that get reported really fundamentally emerge up from public broadcasting, from the public media. And who's that funded by? Ford Foundation, Open Society, Packard, Hewlett. uh, A lot of left of center foundations are funding the media. In fact, Ford Foundation has even uh, they paid half a million dollars to The Washington Post to cover money in politics. Mostly, of course, the Koch brothers, not the Ford Foundation's money in politics, very, very little coverage went to the Ford Foundation. Um, so it's not noticed, but they are fundamentally funding all the things that rise up to influence policy without for some reason being considered political donations.
0: You had a a very good case study on this in your second piece in the series where you talk about Elizabeth Warren and her rise, which was uh, was kind of juiced a little bit by her – research uh, talking about the link between medical expenses and bankruptcy. Later, she's calling out uh, you know people for funded research, but as you mentioned in your piece, this is something that she's engaged in.
1: Right. So Elizabeth Warren uh, was at Harvard. Uh, she's obviously in the Senate now. At some point last year, she went on the attack criticizing a Brookings scholar, Robert Lighton, over what she called financial conflict of interest. Uh, because he had done some research that was funded by a company uh, and and put the research forward. And he disclosed the fact that it was funded. He disclosed all of that, and yet she went after him and asked for more details. He provided more details, even though he had already disclosed everything. He did provide details she asked for. She went out and said that uh, it raised significant questions about the impartiality of the study. The study was editorially compromised by an industry player seeking a specific conclusion, and that it was bought and paid for research. Now. It is a very understandable argument that funding can influence the outcome, although, frankly, more likely it's that funding seeks to pay for conclusions or seeks to pay people that already agree with them, much like uh, political donations. Um, Acne Corp. doesn't donate to Bob Smith, candidate Bob Smith, because they want him to vote their way. They vote donate to candidate Bob Smith because they think he will vote their way. But. Understanding her point, nevertheless, if you look back at her career, she has done an enormous amount of bot or research, and white papers. Uh, Her funders have included FDIC, AARP, Ford Foundation, uh, Casey Foundation, Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, Rockefeller Foundation, and a lot of others. The big project she's known for, which happens uh, a couple different times, multiple iterations, was the medical bankruptcy study, which is extremely dubious on a number of levels, as uh, Megan McArdle has, has pointed out very effectively. But the research she did was funded by the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation primarily. There was also a little bit of other funding, but primarily by the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. And oddly, it wasn't funded through Harvard where she was at the time. Instead, it was funded through a tiny little medical healthcare clinic, like a patient clinic, that was in Cambridge, uh, the Cambridge uh, Healthcare Foundation, I believe it was called, a, a very small clinic. That their their total uh, revenue for a year was anywhere from you know half a million to maybe a couple million. So this grant was a major portion of their revenue, sometimes as much as close to fifty percent of their revenue at some periods. Cambridge Medical Care Foundation, that's what it was. So why would they do that? Well, partially because Harvard has a lot of oversight rules whenever there's a funded research funded grants sponsored research and partially because that allows them to identify that allows the foundation to identify the person they want leading the projects. The project director for both of them was Steffi Joan Woolhandler, who is a former fellow at the uh, Woods Johnson Foundation and also an activist. She is nominally a, a, a scholar, or she's certainly a doctor. She is overtly an activist. She's talked about it. She said her career goal is training people how to use uh, scholarly research and publishing for activism. They put her in charge because they knew the out- outcomes they wanted. They bought the outcomes they wanted in both cases, and Elizabeth Warren lent her name to it. That's why you came out with such terrible, terrible, shoddy research, but it fit the conclusions that the Johnson Foundation and Democrats on the Hill at the time wanted to get. So, of course, it catapulted Elizabeth Warren into the public consciousness. Uh, but she, she and uh, the foundation made a lot of money on doing that, and it was certainly clear that they knew the outcome that they wanted to achieve. So how is that any different than what Elizabeth Warren blames Bob Lighton for? I I can't see any significant difference. Um and, and yet nobody covers this. I even talked to reporters about this after she had initially uh uh pushed her story out against Bob Lighten and they just didn't care. Like like Sean Dreglia said, they don't know, they
0: don't care. No that's odd that that a reporter covering what she says uh, is the difference because a, a senator says it so it's so it's important versus, you know, this research from 2009 or 2005 is is old and nobody cares. I, I mean, I, I, I'm having trouble figuring out why, why there isn't more interest in this.
1: Well, so, you know, obviously the fact that a senator pushed something it makes it naturally more appealing uh, to a major news outlet, especially in D.C. when you're – livelihood depends on getting information from elected officials, then writing stories for elected officials becomes uh, absolutely necessary to continue uh, pursuing your livelihood. But I I don't know why reporters were not interested in pointing out that Warren was complicit in the same things she talked about. I mean, maybe it's that uh, they're defensive of her, maybe uh, putting on my tinfoil hat, maybe um, maybe it's that they're Maybe it's that liberal bias. Maybe it's that they're sympathetic to her. Maybe it's sort of a more subconscious bias that they see corporate funding as special interest, whereas foundation funding is public interest, and that's fundamentally wrong in the sense that it is funding that buys an outcome that they want. It's, of course, ad hominem arguments about the 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 substance of the argument, but I mean, I I, I can only assume that they think that foundation funding is less special interest although that of course does not apply to the coke
0: brothers (laughs) you pointed out something in one of your earlier posts that there's not even as much traction in right-leaning media for this Mm -hmm. which i think is amazing i think it's it's kind of i don't want to say fish in a barrel because you obviously have done a lot of research on these these posts by the way and we'll link to them on the site but they're they're very deeply annotated you've you've clearly done your research and done your homework on it um boy if i'm if I'm a center right media outlet, if you care about journalism like this is journalism right here this is this is textbook
1: I understand everybody has other uh beats they they need to cover, and so maybe this just doesn't fall right within anybody's beat but yes i I do wish that more right of center people would point out how the machine works and it is as I somewhat um impolitely call it, a circle jerk Foundations funds research. They fund activists to use the research, and they fund media to cover the activists and the research. I mean, there's a perfect example of it. A number of years ago, uh, the FCC, uh, after Obama got into office, wanted to get a complete, a comprehensive report on the current literature on broadband policy. And so they reached out to a wide variety of intellectuals and academics and asked, no, of course they didn't do that. They reached out to the Harvard Berkman Center and asked the Harvard (laughs) Berkman Center to be their sole source for a report on the academic literature on, uh, on broadband policy. This is a bit like asking Liberty University to put together a comprehensive report on which religion is the best. You kind of know where they're <laughs> going to end up. So the Harvard Berkman Center put out a report. It was quickly poked full of holes by a number of people, and they put out a follow-up report. The report disclosed at the bottom – Uh, with support from the Ford Foundation and MacArthur Foundation, two of the foundations that fund activists and research on exactly this topic. And who did the Berkman Center Report cite? It cited groups that get funding from Ford. So it is a perfect example of, they fund the research, they fund the activists to push the research, and then they fund the report saying this is the research that you should listen to. And, of course, a lot of the media that reported on it also funded by them. I mean, there's an enormous amount of left-wing foundation-funded media that I think people don't always notice. They don't always realize this is, um, this is an overwhelming part of our media, media, uh, media landscape. And, unfortunately, people aren't aware that a lot of this is just – Propaganda, it, or it may it may be true, it may not be true, but it, it is definitely being put there for a reason, not by
0: dispassionate,
1: disinterested
0: journalists. Now, you mentioned a lot of these are run through five hundred one c three or five hundred one c four foundations, uh, whose whose donors are not uh, they're not mandated to be revealed. You don't have to, uh, but it seems like that that avoiding oversight is a running theme here. What's the answer? How does this get solved, or how does, a, how does someone who's interested in this stuff or interested in just knowing where their information is coming from, how do they, how do they track this?
1: So th- that is an excellent question. Uh, I want to make it clear that I'm not condemning foundations or donors or privacy or activism. The problem is not that they exist. It's with the double standard that exists. Donors and activists on the right are special interest. Donors and activists on the left are public interest. Well, anyway, the the activists are, and that's what they claim, and that's what how they are presented. The major donors on the left receive very, very little attention. I am not arguing that there should be a legislative uh, resolution to this. I'm not arguing that they should be forcibly um, exposed. Uh, I'm not arguing that they should not have donor privacy. Uh, for one thing, a lot of the big foundations on the left have massive endowments. They don't, don't need outside money. They have multi-billion-dollar endowments, and so. Uh, they are giving their own money from the endowment, uh, which are perpetual endowments because they make so much money from the interest that they they'll never spend down the endowment. There was a push many years ago to require foundations to spend down their principal within 20 years or something like that. But, um, it apparently just didn't go anywhere, but, uh, (laughs) I, I don't think the solution is is anything like that. I mean, we believe in free speech. We believe in free political speech. So we believe that, that they are certainly allowed to do this. But we also believe that these standards should be the same on the left and the right. And if the Koch brothers, who's um, I, I'm not sure exactly what they're giving is, but you know, they're, again, they're, as of 2013, they weren't in the top 100. If theirs should get, get so many column inches, so much of the oxygen, then surely the foundations who dwarf the uh, by orders of magnitude what the Koch brothers give should get at least as much attention. Uh, of course, to some extent, they don't because they're also funding that media. Uh, the answer is to insist on less of a double standard, also for the right to begin reporting more on on these things, to begin reporting that this is what they are trying to do, here's where they're going, here's how they're doing it. When uh, Acme Media Org comes out and reports on something, don't take it at face value. Look and see, oh look, this is a Ford Foundation funded project or Open Society funded project reporting on Ford Open Society funded research pushed by Ford Open Society funded activists. Let's stop pretending that this is a grassroots thing. It uh, You know the old the old story about um, people arguing about whether the earth was round and all that, and some lady says, you know, no, it's on the back of a turtle. Somebody says, well, it's going to get her. Well, yes, but what's well, under the turtle? And she says, ah, you can't fool me. It's turtles all the way down. <laughs> we need to realize that it's foundations all the way down.
0: Now, there were two issues we talked about that are – or this has come into play uh, more than that really. There's campaign finance reform, uh, health care – net neutrality but what other issues do you think or will it be particularly important if you're a if you want to be an informed voter as you're listening to this you're going to hear studies and you you should just take that with an extra grain of salt
1: i you know as you were saying that i was trying to think of a policy area where this does not obtain (laughs) i would imagine that um there's probably not a lot of foundation money behind naming post offices. Other than that, it's all foundation driven. They are involved in almost every area. And again, I want to reiterate, not everything they're doing is bad. Not everything they're doing is a problem. Much, much of the money they give, I'm sure goes towards, uh, goes towards things that are bipartisan, noble goods. Much of the, you know, much like the, the Koch brothers donate to ballets and museums. Uh, and of course they get, they get criticized for that as well. But not everything is is bad or wrong. But if there is an issue, if you see – and this is a point Sean Triglia made – if you see something on the front page, a political issue, there is a foundation behind it. If you see an issue rising to congressional attention or regulatory attention, there is absolutely a foundation behind it. That is – universally true. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there is some issue that they're just not engaged on that is, is a priority, but I honestly can't think of one. As far as what the important ones are going to be, I, I I think tech policy is increasingly becoming the master policy. Everything is affected by or becoming technology policy. So I think to the extent that that is increasingly becoming the master policy and because the left has almost monopolized the zone on tech policy. The right is sadly just not engaged in tech policy. This is sort of the refighting the battle over industrial policy and fundamental property rights uh, from the 20th century, and the right has not entered the field of battle for the most part yet. So I think that is going to be the important one because everything else is, to some extent, increasingly contingent on technology policy.
0: That's John Hankey. He's a researcher, right-leaning blogger, a pro bono advisor to Tech Freedom, and uh, he's got a great series up at Red State. Oh, and it's a three-part series now. Is there going to be more coming out? Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. In fact, I have another one uh, coming very soon about how foundations are buying the full circle jerk in, in environmental areas as well.
0: Oh, that's going to be interesting to read. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Well, thank you very much for uh, for explaining it all and, and setting us right on this Crummy Little Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this Crummy Little Podcast. If you want to hear more, check out www.crummylittlepodcast.com. You can also subscribe on iTunes, and don't forget to leave a review. Thanks again.